Good morning. Welcome to Cedar Mill. Uh, my name's Pastor Dave, and it's great to have you. And I just have to say, it's Easter Sunday, and that is why we are here, right there. We are here to remember and declare and celebrate together that in the midst of our suffering and pain and the difficulties of this world, we are the people of the third day. You know, as I look around the world that we live in these days and all that we are facing, I am reminded how important this day is. When I see the division and the polarization of our nation, politically and racially and economically and socially, I'm reminded how important this day is. When I see fear in the eyes of folks because places that we once felt were safe are no longer, I am reminded of the importance of this day. When I tune into social media, and see our longing for acceptance and approval and likes, that our souls are just craving for someone to affirm us, I am reminded how important this day is. When I read the stats of our teens who are dealing with anxiety and depression and suicide in numbers like never recorded before, I'm reminded how important this day is. As I watch friends and family members struggle with disease and declining health and death, I'm reminded how important this day is. When I spend time with people and I hear their hurt and their pain and struggles and I see that these things have created in them an attitude and an outlook on life full of cynicism, I am reminded how important this day is. You know, the other day I was off frisbee golfing. Yes, you heard me right. Frisbee golfing, frolfing. I like to do it. Don't judge me. It's church, it's Easter Sunday, and if you judge me, God will judge you back. So I'm frolfing, I'm frolfing along all by myself, and I run into these two guys, and I kind of join in with them, and as we continue to play together, they just start to share, and they're talking, and they both are just sort of venting, and they're talking about how they've both been divorced, and how it's such an awful thing, and this, this sort of cynicism just starts to come out of their mouths and out of their hearts, you know. To commit to someone for a lifetime, that's just stupid and impossible, and what does God have to do with it anyway? They don't know I was a pastor at all, so I was just kind of going under, I was undercover frolfing, it was awesome. And, and there's just all this pain that has turned to bitterness and resentment and cynicism. And I am reminded how important this day is. But here's the honest truth. Here's the even harder part of what we're talking about today. Maybe you're like me in this. I am so tempted to look around our world and to see that so many people and so many things and so many places are a mess, to see that politics, politics are full of corruption and that the media has no moral compass and that Hollywood only cares about making money and I'm so quick to judge and point, but here is the hard truth. When it really gets right down to it, I'm a mess, I'm broken. I'm selfish and cynical and sometimes just stupid. You know, the other day I had to grab my kids and pull them into a room and apologize for an inappropriate comment I made because I was just trying to be funny. And I'm reminded how important this day is. You know, as I've thought about Easter Sunday this year, 
the one thing that I continue to come back to time and time again is this. We as a people, we as a nation, we as a planet of fallen, broken human beings are so desperately in need of something. And friends, that something is this. Resurrection. Resurrection. We need a resurrection. We need the resurrection. We are desperate for a God who brings healing out of hurt and joy out of discouragement and forgiveness out of betrayal and peace out of pain and confidence out of insecurity and light from darkness and life out of death. Friends, today is Easter Sunday. It's the day that we gather to remember and declare and celebrate the greatest resurrection story in the history of the human race. And that story begins like this. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew writes these words for us. Joseph rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The Easter story, this resurrection story today, friends, begins in a graveyard at the entrance of a tomb. And Matthew, our author here, he wants us, he invites us, he begs us to feel and experience this moment through the eyes of these two women. One of them is a woman named Mary Magdalene, and we know a little bit about her. She has been in the scriptures before. The Bible actually tells us that when Mary met Jesus, she was possessed by seven demons. Now, some of you are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know if I even believe in demons, and that's okay, that's all right. I don't wanna talk with you about that today. I just want you to understand this. When this woman meets Jesus, she's sick and suffering and damaged and demented and deranged and tortured and tormented and broken beyond belief. This is a woman whose life is literally in shambles. And then she meets Jesus. And he taught like nobody had ever taught. And he lived like nobody she'd ever seen live. And he loved like nobody she had ever seen love. And Mary wanted to be his follower. And so she left everything, her home and family and work. People told her she was crazy, but she didn't care because she was convinced that this man and the little community that he led would in fact change the world. And for a while, it was an amazing adventure. Jesus healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. Plus, he talked about God in ways that Mary had never heard anyone talk before. He said, I have come so that one day things will be different. Things will be the way God longs for them to be. And evil and oppression and injustice and cruelty and hate and sin are all going to be overwhelmed and destroyed by God's great grace and love. And Jesus told this, much to Mary's surprise, to all sorts of people, people you wouldn't expect, not just the ultra-religious people, not just the good people, not just the people who everyone else liked and accepted, but Jesus gave this news to the outcasts and the rejected and the marginalized. Jesus spoke these hopeful truths to sinners. And as you can imagine, this began to create some energy, a movement of sorts started to build, and people were wondering, how is this going to happen? What will it ultimately look like? And so when Jesus comes to Jerusalem to celebrate this huge national 
festival of freedom, the people rallied and they cheered and they welcomed him. And there was this buzz in the air that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was going to be their king. But then the story took a tragic turn. Jesus was betrayed. The rulers of the city had him arrested, falsely accused. And in a moment no one expected, he was mocked and beaten and tortured and executed on a Roman cross. And now Friday afternoon, Mary sits and watches as his lifeless body is wrapped in linen and placed in a guarded tomb. And the stone rolled into place. And I've been thinking a lot about that stone this week. What it represented for Mary. What it meant for her. The way she felt as she sat and stared at it. Disappointed. Uncertain. Confused. Insecure. Had she lost hope? Had she lost control? Did she wonder what is the real meaning of life now? See, all Mary can do at this point is sit and look and wonder, how in the world did things end up here? How did I ever find myself in this place? Ever been there? Ever wondered those things? Got any stones in your life today? Any giant boulders? Any realities that seem to be saying to you over and over and over again, hope is lost, pain will win, brokenness and fertility and uncertainty in this world world will have the last word? You see, this is where the Easter story begins. This is how it starts. The Easter story confronts us with our own powerlessness in the face of sin. The Easter story comes to you and comes to me and says, there are some things so evil and cruel and bad in this world that you are powerless against them. That's how it starts. See, Easter is very clear about this, and it reminds us at some point we just don't have the strength. We just don't have the intelligence. We cannot persevere. We don't have the power or ingenuity to, under, to overcome all the falseness and brokenness and depravity of our world. You don't have it in you and I don't have it in me and even together we don't have it in each other. Left to our own devices, we are powerless against the fallenness and brokenness of our world and all you have to do is look at the news or read the newspaper for a while and this truth will set in real fast. Anybody here remember uh, or recognize the name Mel Blank? Anyone know who Mel Blank is? Yeah. Mel Blank was the voice behind all the Looney Tunes characters. Like all the Looney like He was the voice not just for a few, but for all of them. For Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Tweety Bird and the Tasmanian Devil and the Sylvester the Cat and Yosemite Sam and Marv- Marvin the Martian and Pepe Le Pew and Speedy Gonzalez and Wiley the Coyote. Mel was the voice for all of them. But maybe his most famous character, the one he's most well-known for, was a chubby little pig named Porky. Porky. You remember him, Porky Pig. And Porky had a lot of roles, but his most famous role, his most famous segment, was that at the end of every Looney Tunes cartoon, Porky would burst onto the screen and he would say these words. That's all, folks. That's... Oh, folks, that's it. That's the end. The show is over. And you see, at this point in the story of Easter, 
That's what everybody thinks about Jesus, that his show is over. For Mary, that's exactly what this stone is saying loud and clear to her. That's all, folks. You know, Mel Blank died a few years ago, and his family had some words etched right into his tombstone. Anyone want to guess what those words were? <laughs> That's all, folks. Think about that for a minute. That's all, folks. What a sad statement to make. But it's honest, because every tomb, every grave, every headstone calls for this question forces us to ask this question. Is that true? Is death the end? Is this life all there is? At the end of the day, are we in fact just atoms and neurons and cells? Is Porky Pig right? Or, or is there something more? Something stronger. Can life contain meaning and purpose and hope even standing at the entrance of a tomb? You see, that's the question that Mary is facing right now. We continue with the story. After the Sabbath, you see, now we have fast-forwarded. We've skipped right over Saturday, and now it's Sunday morning. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Just imagine that scene. These tough, armored Roman guards just hitting the ground one right after another. See, I love the way Matthew describes this part of the story because it's when the story starts to turn. This angel rolls onto the scene and we get a whole new feel now for who is actually calling the shots. You see, this angel, he rolls in and he's got some confidence. He is cool, he is calm, he is confident, he is bold and brash. He shows up on the scene looking real good. Clothes like lightning, wearing a nice smooth Easter tie. <laughs> and he doesn't just meagerly roll the stone away, kind of like push, 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 push. No, no, no. He rolls that stone out of the way, and then he has a seat right on it. And friends, it's as if he is saying as clear as day, what? Did you think this grave could really hold our God? Did you think that this death could really defeat our king? Did you think these guards would be in any way intimidating to our Lord? Did you think this stinking little boulder could keep our Jesus in there? No way, not even, not a chance. Friends, while the Easter story is quick to point out our lack of power... It is very clear in highlighting and announcing God's great power. You see, this is a story of our powerlessness, but God's great power and his might over anything. You see, while the brokenness and tragedy and disappointment and pain and heartache that we face in this world might scare us, might intimidate us, might frequently get you and me down, it is not in the least bit daunting to our God. The angel said to the women, 
Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. This is huge news. This is amazing news. What joyful news. And yet, friends, the news is even bigger than they think. This message is actually more impactful and amazing than these women can even yet realize. When the angel makes this announcement, he has risen, he is not just saying, wow, cool, sweet, dodged a bullet, Jesus has you know, sidestepped death for a few more years. No, he's saying this. He's saying this is the moment when the reality of human history has been changed forever. When the course of your eternity has now shifted ultimately. Because, friends, Easter is not just the story of a resurrection. It's the story of the resurrection. Jesus is not the first person in the history of the world to be raised again to new life. There was another guy just a few weeks before we talked about last week. Jesus is just the first person in the history of the world to be raised to new life forever, to be raised to life and never die again. Let me explain this by taking us back to something we looked at last week. Jesus comes onto the scene and he said a lot of amazing things, but this is perhaps the most amazing. He says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, friends, he's not here just stating a fact. He's not just saying, I'm going to rise from the dead. He is saying this. He's saying, the resurrection you have longed for, the hope you need, the power over sin and death you haven't been able to muster up on your own, I am here to offer that to you once and for all. This is not just a resurrection, it's the resurrection. It's the moment in human history when we are set free from all the evil and corruption and brokenness and pain that entangles us. This is the cure, the remedy, what humanity and our world needs, what we've longed for, what my heart and your heart have so desperately and deeply and eagerly desired. And I'm reminded how important today is. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. I always find that to be the funniest verse in the Bible. Like, sin and death defeated, the grave overcome, new life, redemption and reconciliation with God. Greetings. Like, I, there's got to be more to that word. I just haven't found it yet. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They must have caught it because listen to the response. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, the Easter story, quite simply, is to be received. 
We see it over and over and over again that the message of Easter is not just for you to hear. It's for you to engage. It's for you to experience. It's for you to embrace in the same way that these women embrace the feet of Jesus. This message, resurrection, the Christian life, is not just some abstract concept that you choose to intellectually agree with or not. No, not the point, not the message. The message here is that there is a God who wants to meet you and know you and who asks you to give your life to him, to trust in his resurrection for your resurrection. This is the story of a God who says... If you will bring your brokenness and pain and questions and failures and sin to me, I will take them to the tomb. And I will put to death once and for all all the things that hurt you and haunt you and plague you and hold you back from being the person that I created and long for you to be. You know, a pastor by the name of Ken Almer tells a story about two men in a museum walking around looking at paintings when they come across a painting of a chess game. One of the players in this painting looks just like an ordinary man, but the other one looks very much like the evil one, like the devil. And the ordinary man is looking stressed, he's worried, he's anxious because he's down to just a few pieces on the board and his king is obviously in real peril. The devil, on the other hand, seems to be very much in control and he's actually got a little smirk on his face as if to say, gotcha, I've won, there is no way of escape. And the title of this painting, sort of stenciled underneath, is one profound word. Checkmate. Checkmate. Well, these two men are looking at this painting, and one of them is a fairly good chess player, and he's sort of mesmerized by it. And he just keeps standing there, and he just keeps staring. And finally, he says to his friend, there is something about this painting that bothers me. There's something about it that is just not right. And so he looks a little longer, and his friend can see that he is thinking real hard, that he's calculating some things in his mind, until finally, an ever-so-subtle smile begins to grow in his face. He just starts to grin. And then, after a long pause, he turns and looks at his friend and simply declares, no, no, it's not true. This painting is wrong. It's titled Checkmate, but the king still has one more move. Friends, maybe you're here this morning and you're facing some pretty tough realities. Maybe you're facing a hurt in your life, something hard, difficult, painful, some daunting circumstances. Maybe there has been a loss, a loss of relationship or a loss of health, maybe even a death. Maybe you're here today and you're at a point where your own death, your mortality is actually starting to stare you right in the face. Or maybe life isn't coming through with all that it's promised. Maybe you're here today and success and popularity and achievement and accolades and pleasure aren't satisfying your soul the way the world promised you that they would. Or maybe this morning you're just tired. 
Tired of the burden of life on your own? Tired of trying to convince yourself that if you only try harder or do better, things will turn out okay? Maybe it feels like when you look at the chessboard of your life, Evil and emptiness and corruption and sin and shame will inevitably win and you, will be re- you need to be reminded today that even when it looks like in this world all hope is gone, the truth of Easter Sunday is this, the king still has one more move. One move that can and will change everything. Everything for you now, everything for you for all of eternity. One move that brings hope and peace and purpose and forgiveness. One move that brings life with God now and forever. And friends, let me just say this. If the king has moved in your life, if you have said and declared and determined in your heart, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave, defeating sin and death once and for all. If you've determined to receive that truth and make Jesus Lord of your life, the Easter story needs to be declared. One thing we read throughout every account of Easter is this. The Bible says, this is not a secret. This is not something to keep to yourself. Go and tell the world. He is risen. He is risen indeed. See, the Bible says, if Jesus and what he's done is real for you, claim it, own it, receive it the death and resurrection for yourself, and then you go and you tell the people around you. And friends, the way that followers of Jesus have been doing that, have been declaring that essential decision and truth for 2,000 years now is through this thing we call baptism. It's when a person is publicly dunked in water, symbolizing the death and resurrection of Jesus, that the staggering ultimate move of the king is, in fact, for them. Here's the deal. We're going to give you a chance to do that today. You mean I could sign up for baptism today? No. You could get baptized today. If you want to declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you believe that he died and rose from the grave and that his death and resurrection have forgiven your sin and put you back in right relationship with God, then do not wait another minute to receive him and declare that truth to the world. For some of you, here's what's going on right now. Your heart is pounding Your mind is racing. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in you, talking to you, pulling you, inviting you, leading you into this moment where you will declare Jesus as Lord. But there's also all these other little resistors at work inside of you as well. And they're all hard at work generating little excuses, all the reasons why you should not do this. I am a person of faith, but my faith is kind of private. I'm a private person, not a public person. This is a public thing. And this is a family. I'm not ready. Maybe I'm just not ready. You know what? You're never ready, but he's ready. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't polish, your up and get, polish yourself up and get shiny enough to do this thing. You just have to say, Jesus did it for me. If you believe that truth, if you've received him as Lord, then you are ready. 
But it will be embarrassing to go up front in front of all those people. And by the way, what would I wear? We've got clothes and towels in the back. And if push comes to shove, you can just go in in your own clothes and drive home wet. It's just water. But what? But what if I'm, but what if I'm the only one? Wouldn't that be scary? What if I'm the only one? Well, what if you're the only one? But you won't be because we already have people signed up to go. So you'll be with a bunch of other people. Friends, maybe this is your moment. Your moment to finally put a stake in the ground and declare that you have received the grace of God offered through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've believed in and followed Jesus for a long time, but you've never gotten baptized. You just have kind of put it all off and put it off. And maybe it's even to a point where you feel a little embarrassed about the fact that you've never taken this step of publicly declaring your faith through baptism and you're worried that people would judge you or be critical of you. And I'm here to say, I will not let that happen. We will celebrate you. We will walk with you. We will be thrilled for you. Friends, if that's you today, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you've never been baptized, can I just lovingly say something to you? Get on up here today on Easter Sunday and in front of your church family. Declare the death and resurrection. Do not wait one more minute. All right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray and then... As I do, those of you who are signed up to be baptized today, I'm just going to invite you as I pray to just get up and make your way up onto the stage and through the doors into the back. You know where to go. Um, You can walk while I'm praying. Everyone else will just have their eyes closed, but you can just pray with your eyes open while you're walking. We're just going to, I'm going to pray. You're going to move. It is okay. Pastors do it all the time. (laughs) If you're here this morning and... You hadn't planned on being baptized, but the Holy Spirit is calling you to make this decision. Then you just join those folks. You just follow them right into the back. Um, No one will even know that you're a spur of the moment person. They'll just think you signed up. And in the back um, will be Pastor John Hamilton, who is probably the nicest pastor on our pastoral team. Do you agree? Well, don't agree that much. That's hurtful when you're so enthusiastic about it. I thought I was at least in the running, Dan, who clearly is in second place. No, Pastor John, who really is probably the most tender-hearted, Jesus-loving guy I know, will be in the back to just talk with you about your decision, to talk with you about what it means and why you're here, and we can help you make that decision even back there. So even if you're just wondering, if you're not sure, and you just want to talk to someone, just head on to the back. And then we're going to together celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus through the baptism of some of our friends here this morning. If you are here this morning and you, ha- and you know someone who's being baptized, like a loved one or a friend, when it's their turn, just freedom to move about the cabin. The fasten seatbelt sign is off. You can slide right up and over here and take a look. When that person's done, step away so that other people can come forward. This morning, like I think we had 12 people or 11 people, had a number of people from our Spanish-speaking congregation declare in Spanish that Jesus is Lord. It works in Spanish too, right, Gabby? It absolutely does. So I'm going to pray. If you want to declare Jesus as Lord and Savior today, as I'm praying, come on up. All right, here we go. Father, thank you for who you are, for the fact that you're a God who saw our need, saw our pain, 
and decided that you would do something about it, even at great cost to yourself. We thank you for this day where we can celebrate victory and life and freedom and hope. Father, sometimes for me, I know that I try and earn or take credit in some weird way through behavior. I try to be a good enough person. My worth and my value is sometimes based on that. And I confess this morning, Lord, that I do not make it and I do not live up and that I again, again desperately need the grace of your son, the forgiveness that's offered through his death and resurrection. So Father, this morning, we thank you, we worship you, we love you, we thank you for loving us more than we could ever know. And I pray God for these folks who come forward to be baptized, that as they declare you as the Lord, that you would meet them in that place, that you would walk with them and continue to lead them on the journey of knowing you and surrendering to you and living for you more and more each day. That is our prayer together. We celebrate them and their decision, but mostly Jesus, we celebrate you and who you are and that you're the king. Thank you so much. We love you and we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.